Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Mark Monchek about helping businesses thrive through disruption. Mark Monchik, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. So appreciative to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from New York City next to the Hudson Bay, and I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about helping businesses thrive through disruption. I think the name of the game right now is disruption. Everyone's experiencing various forms of disruption, and whether we're talking about personal lives, uh, community or businesses. Of course, we're going to focus primarily on business disruption, um, but I think the principles we'll be discussing apply uh, in in really all areas of our lives. And you know, it, the last two th- two and a half years, if they haven't shown us anything, it's that disruption uh, is constant. It uh, requires a lot of agility. It requires a lot of pivoting, uh, and we we have to be agile people, you know, in our lives and our relationships and how we, um, how, how we try to tackle problems and questions and how we deal with things, you know, for example, in the workplace, how we structure work, how we design the work, how we connect with customers, all of that, right. All of that has been disrupted. Uh, I hope I, I, I would like to think that we've gotten a little bit better at disruption and we've gotten a little bit better at, at, uh, managing and thriving within a disruptive context. Uh, but I think there's a lot more growth to uh, happen that needs to happen uh, in order for us to move into the future of work and be ready for the the continual disruptions that we're going to face. As we get started, I'm going to share Mark's bio with everybody. Mark Monchek is the founder and chief opportunity officer at Opportunity Lab, a strategy consulting firm based and focused on helping businesses thrive through disruption. He is the author of the Amazon nonfiction bestseller, Culture of Opportunity, How to Grow Your Business in an Age of Disruption. Mark has a passion for empowering conscious leaders to build a great company that will make a difference in the world. Through his his strategy, he discovers and develops opportunities that merge profitability with sustainable growth, creating organizations that are more conscious, making life better for their customers, employees, and communities. I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much again, Mark, for joining me. Anything else you would like to share with me or my audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the dialogue? Uh, yeah, John, I wrote the book, uh, Culture of Opportunity, which you referenced, you know, how to grow a business in an age of disruption in 2017. 
And I thought, wow, we are really in a disruptive state. And little did I know that the disruptions kept getting more frequent, you know, more deeper. And now I think we're in a period where disruption is sort of the norm. You know, so, um, you know, my thinking when I wrote the, the book back then was we have gone through a hundred years or so of business thinking, which was predicated on the idea that we could sort of predict the future, right? So, you know, when I was learning strategic planning, the idea was you would have a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. The Japanese had 250-year plans. And then you would iterate and you would adapt and so forth. But the idea was that you could extrapolate what was going to happen based on what happened in the past. And I think we've seen in 2017 and much, much more in the last couple of years, how that is not true anymore. So the reason uh, we call the book and we call our program Culture of Disrupt of Opportunity is we believe that today for a company to be resilient and truly to be able to thrive through any disruption, you actually have to have a culture that can see what's happening in the moment, can understand the risks, the opportunities, you know, the resources, and continually evolve with an understanding of what your customers need, what your employees need, and what the stakeholders that connect to your company need. So it's a very exciting time, and it's also a very troubling time because, yes, to your point, yes, there are people and companies are getting a lot better at it, and then there are those who are not, right? So I think there's there's going to be even more of a divide between the companies that succeed and those who fail. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. It's really interesting to see the divide growing um, because people have been leaning into it, learning, growing, uh, developing their their capabilities around disruption and futures thinking and adaptability. Uh, but others have been retrenching, trying to like pretend like the last couple of years haven't happened and trying to go back to like the good old days of how work used to be. And like, let's just kind of force everyone back into that old model. And it's so fascinating to watch that happen in real time. And to, you know, I have my predictions of what that's going to mean for those organizations that are doubling down and trying to retrench and go backwards. Um, I, you know, I think I know what's going to happen to them. But, you know, like you said, we we don't know the future. Nobody knows the future. We don't have a crystal ball. And so all we, the best we can do is look at the trends, try to extrapolate from them, also recognizing that, there's just so much that's going to happen that we can't even possibly conceive of yet, regardless of whatever the past track record has shown us. So we just have to build a learning environment, a learning culture, uh, one that fosters innovation uh, so we can deal with the disruptions as they occur uh, and hopefully be as proactive as possible in dealing with that, that kind of a disruptive environment. Yeah, John, I think the the key now that I'm seeing in our clients and in the companies that we deal with is the whole idea of what I'll call consciousness, which I know is a, is a broad, sometimes ill-defined word. But if you think about the results that a company get gets is really the result of the consciousness by which the owners and the leaders decide what to do, right? What to prioritize, who to hire, who which customers to serve, and, and, and all of that. And so we've seen how you know, strategy, leadership, and culture, which are the three areas that we work in, has not necessarily dealt with what is the consciousness behind what we're trying to do. So I'm sure you've heard many times this quote from Albert Einstein, or some people attribute it to some other folks is, you know, you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness by which it 
is created. So now I think companies that are really truly going to be thriving are going to be stepping back and saying, okay, what do we really feel about our employees? What do we really truly feel about our customers? What do we really truly feel about our suppliers and our vendors and our investors and so forth? And I think Gen Z, millennial generations, and also other countries around the world are really looking for true caring, true authenticity, true integrity, not just some of the things that we've been kind of faking over the years. And so I think the Gen Z in particular are driving a much more authentic, you know, much more purposeful business that they want to invest in, that they want to uh, work for, that they want to buy from. Yeah, I think they're demanding it, right? And they're voting with their feet, um, both as customers and as employees. Uh, and and that's why we see the great resignation happening, uh, quiet quitting, uh, you know, whatever way you want to frame it. Uh, people have reevaluated, and particularly younger people, they have different priorities, they have different expectations, um, and they're demanding, um, you know, companies have a social mission that they're transparent, that uh, that they are actually making a positive difference in the world, and and this segment of the labor force is insisting on having work designed in such a way that they have flexibility and they have an opportunity to make a meaningful contribution. And in previous generations, that wasn't always the expectation. Uh, certainly some people had that expectation, but largely, you know, people had, you know, you go in, you, you start at the bottom, you work your way up. Uh, many people had the mindset that you could, you know, spend a good, chunk of your career, just developing yourself, building your network, growing into your capacities. And then, you know, you'll have those opportunities later on. And I think this is part of the reasons why millennials and Gen Z uh, individuals often get the kind of what I think is a bad rap of being entitled uh, because they just have expectations and different priorities. And I think some managers, some leaders view that as entitlement and, and thinking they're not willing to pay their dues, put in, you know, the, the, the hard knocks to get to where they need to go. Um, there may be some truth to the entitlement kind of perspective, but I think largely it's just change in perspective. It's change in um, attitudes. It's, it's a difference in priorities. And, you know, I, I, I'm a professor. I teach students about effective organizational design, work design, how to be an effective leader, those sorts of things. I sure hope my students leave with ideas on how to be a better leader and probably ideas of how they want to be led. And if they go out into an organization and have a jerk boss who micromanages them, they're going to know and they're going to expect something better. And if they don't get it, they're going to leave and they're going to go somewhere else. And I think that's a good thing. I think that pushes organizations to evolve and to develop themselves. Um, so it's super fascinating as we think about the differences. Um, obviously, we can't overgeneralize, you know, with with generations and such that could be problematic. But but I, I think it's it's useful to to think about some of those differences, too, just so we know what we're dealing with as we're trying to design work uh, for the future amidst all the disruption that we're having. And like you said, it's, it's not just business disruption, economic disruption, it's social disruption, it's community disruption, it's environmental disruptions. It's like everything right is constantly happening around us. So I do think that's the norm for us now is that we live in a world of constant change, constant disruption, and we're either ready to embrace that and kind of lean into it and to grow with it, or we're going to fall behind. So, John, I want to dive into this concept that you just mentioned about stereotyping 
generations of stereotyping different different groups, right? So you hear about the quiet quitting and you know Gen Z is entitled and they're you know despoiled and all these things. Well, you know if you're a Gen Z uh, individual and you grew up in uh, South Central Los Angeles, you're not the same Gen Z who grew up in uh, you know the Upper West Side of New York City or in Salt Lake City or anywhere else. So I think we are really do ourselves a disservice when we say Gen Zs do this or you know women in you know, Generation Y do this or what have you. I, I got to tell you, we, um, my company co-founded the largest and at one time the most thriving uh, collaborative workspace, co-working co space for social entrepreneurs in the United States, which lasted about seven years. So we were open. It was a center for social innovation. Uh, we had 30,000 square feet in the Starrett Lehigh building on 26th Street and 12th Avenue between 2013 and 2000. 20 when we had to close because of COVID. But I got to tell you, John, we had a huge cohort of Gen Z uh, in, you know, members, entrepreneurs, and millennials. You could not get them out of their seat to try to have a happy hour because they were such committed, high ethic, high standard. They were so passionate about their work. And they were they were more their work ethic was higher than people in the older groups. So like I, I've done this already for 20 years. I don't need to work 70 hours a week. So I think it depends on the the individual, but also depends on the setting. You put that same person in a company that doesn't care about them, doesn't have a mission they believe in, and then maybe they'll do some quiet quitting. But I gotta tell you, Gen Z and millennials, I've seen amazing work ethic from them. And they're also very, very agile when it comes to certain types of change. You know, they can work anywhere. You know, they, they could work upside down on the ceiling, you know, in, in a bathroom somewhere if they have to, because they've they've been used to digital. You know, they're digital uh, natives, not like myself, a digital immigrant that learned you know how to do things over the years. So I think it's really important to understand the individuals as individuals. And as you pointed out, what their expectations are, because I think you can have people and I see this in the companies that we work in, in our own company who are having having passionate careers successful, fun, wonderful careers outside of your company, and they do a kick-ass job inside your company because it's not a zero-sum game. It's not, well, they're going to give you less. Actually, they give you more. My people, we have we have actors and writers and athletes in our company who are amazing outside of what we do, and they bring what they learn outside to our company. And because they have that flexibility, they are best performers we've ever had. That, yeah, I, I completely agree. And that's been my experience is just the passion behind um, what's driving, uh, obviously not everybody and everyone's different and they have their own unique backgrounds and contexts and their own unique priorities. But as a general kind of um, rule, it seems that uh, there's just a huge amount of passion that with that comes a work ethic um, that is just a little different. And, and so we need to we need to uh, tap into that. And that means think rethinking how we're designing the work that our people do uh, from, you know, all types of work from entry level all the way up. Let's make sure that our work is meaningful, that it's purpose driven, that people have an opportunity to, to grow and to develop themselves. And let's infuse, let's really work hard to infuse innovation, creativity into our organizational environments and cultures, which will help us resolve, you know, get, uh, uh, respond to the disruptions that we type that we face. And of course, over the last couple of years, you've already mentioned this, you know, we've obviously been experiencing COVID that has given us all sorts of 
new disruptions. Your book came out before COVID uh, because there's tons of disruption then. Now it's just like accelerated and we just have even more now. And it's not just the the economic disruption. It's not just the geopolitical tensions that are heightened. It's not just, um, you know, the, the social challenges. Like think back, think back to the summer of 2020 in the United States and the social upheaval that was happening at the time, right? Like it's layer upon layer upon layer of disruption and and challenge. And that's what we've been facing the last couple of years. And I just don't see that slowing down. It just seems like that's going to be what we're having to deal with. So then we have to learn how to grow into it and we have to learn how to have resilience and grit in the face of disruption. Uh, So how how do we go about doing that from your perspective? How can we build a strong, resilient uh, and connected culture, a mindset within ourselves, but also that culture and environment within our teams and our organizations. John, that's a question we could spend uh, 12 podcasts on that. I'm going to try to give you my best coherent, concise answer, and then we'll have a dialogue about it. So in, you know, in the book, Culture of Opportunity, How to Grow Your Business in Age of Disruption, I made a case for the fact that you have to have a culture of opportunity that is inclusive, that is diverse, that values the input of everyone from the frontline customer service agents to the people who clean the floors, to the C-suite, to the people who travel to different countries, to the people who serve customers at various points. And having this culture of opportunity requires a lot of open communication and a lot of tools for, to have that communication. So at the very beginning of COVID in April, early April of 2020, we started a program called ShareLab. And ShareLab is a unique combination of a focus group, uh, town hall, and group coaching session where we go into companies and teach their uh, human resources staff or their OD staff, or, or it could be any manager, to run these meetings, which typically are half an hour to an hour, we started with three questions at the beginning. Question number one is, where are you calling from? Because people who work next to each other at a desk, you know, this five days a week for 10 years, they didn't necessarily know where that person lived in their private life, right? So where are you calling from? What is inspiring you? And what is troubling you? Those three questions in a safe space, confidential, anonymous, brought out a whole amazing conversation, which made people feel heard, cared about, and connected. And those questions would evolve, and we would get amazing insights about customers, amazing insights about what what employees were not getting when they were in the virtual world, what they needed to get when they came back in the hybrid world. So we uh, we train managers and leaders and HR departments to actually uh, develop these share lab programs which creates an incredibly vibrant, vibrant culture. And it actually, it helps your strategy because you have a way to understand what's happening in this larger world, not just the the C-suite of very, very small number of people who have a very limited understanding of what's happening in their company. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely right. Uh, And and you've talked about conscious leadership uh, as being a foundational approach to all of this around disruption, around creating that kind of a culture and an environment, and maybe unpack a little that a little bit more for us uh, as we get close to wrapping things up, um, because I think that might be the core foundational piece here as we start to think about how we can start to, to do this today. Like, what can we start doing right now as leaders 
to start making a dent and making uh, a positive uh, movement uh, in the direction towards leaning into disruption? How can being a conscious leader help us to accomplish that? Well, let me quickly define what we talk about. What is consciousness? What is a conscious leader? So to me, consciousness is a combination of the awareness that you have of your emotions, of your thoughts, and most importantly, of your beliefs. So people focus on thoughts and, and feelings, but underneath them are what you actually believe, some of which is actually unconscious. So there's the consciousness, meaning things that we are aware of, and then there are the blind spots. So Theory U, which is a brilliant book about organizations and, and how they evolve, talks about the blind spot. And a lot of expanding consciousness is really understanding what beliefs that we have that cause our behaviors are actually are we unaware of. So we have a whole set of assessments that we use, conscious leader assessment, organizational assessment. We use the Enneagram sometimes to help leaders and entrepreneurs understand what they actually believe and how do those beliefs impact the results that they get, the people that they work with and, and, and so forth. So in my book, there's a chapter called um, Principles for Conscious Leaders. So we talk about um, you know, in the importance of the greater good and understanding that your job as a leader is not just to get the financial results, but there's a greater good which looks at your employees, your customers, your stakeholders, there's also another principle, which we call the quiet mind of the conscious leader. And that's really having time every day. Uh, Ken Wimberly talked about the importance of starting your day with intention. He talked about uh, the importance of exercise, you know, in one of your recent episodes, which was phenomenal. I really, really appreciate that. Uh, so it's important to have a practice of starting your day, taking time in the middle of the day, and then you know, ending the day. So whether it's meditation, whether it's some form of movement, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be going to the gym, going out in nature is one of the, you know, the, kind of the key principles, but really getting to the silence in your mind, which is where the wisdom often happens and where the blind spots are actually, you know, emerge. So um, guys, you're welcome to uh, you know, reach out to me if you have some questions about it. We also have a community we developed called Opportunity Community, which meets every month, uh, once a month, and we explore this topic. Uh, the next month, it's called Conscious Growth Through Expanding Consciousness. Uh, I'm sorry, Business Growth Through Expanding Consciousness. So being a part of our community is also a way you can connect to other leaders who are having similar challenges and ha have also similar resources. I love it. I love it, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, again, just one last time, if you can share with listeners how they can connect with you so they can get involved in that event and, and other offerings that you might have, how, what's the best way for them to get connected with you? And then what's the, your final word on the topic for today? Uh, well, the simplest way is go to our website, oplab.com, O-P-P-L-A-B.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can sign up for our Opportunity Community event. You can connect with us directly. You can take a free assessment. There's a lot of resources. Your podcast will be on there once we get that published. Um, so the final word I have is really go inside to understand who you truly are and what is your purpose here in the world. Everybody has a purpose, why we're here, what we need to do. The more clear we are on that purpose, the better we're able to be better people, create better leaders, create better companies. Well said. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Mark and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. 
that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.